This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Amen. Great. We're gonna, our service is a bit different this morning. We're going to have communion after the service in the quad. So it's going to get everyone a bit out of their comfort zone because the Afrikaans service needs to come in here as well. They're using the small hall for the word fierce. But um, I'm going to talk quickly, just start this morning on something very, very important, but yet very simplistic in a way. You know, if we, if the gospel and the word cannot be understood by a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old, then we're going to be in trouble. And I think for a lot of people, especially in a town like ours, you know, intellectualism and and the way we approach things is sometimes we want to figure things out before we obey. Uh, and yet obedience doesn't work like that. You know, there's even uh, a thing going through the church and a couple of us as the more, um, can I say, charismatic leaders we got together uh, because there's a thing going on in the town of, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the sp- God speaking has sort of passed away. It's called cessationalism. Um, and there's a lot of people that want to go back into Calvinism and cessationalism and a lot of old ways of thinking. They're called the new reformers. There's a whole move in the church globally uh, where people say, well, just read the Bible. And God only speaks through the Bible. But that's not true. Um, God speaks in many ways. And we're going to just touch on that. And then next week, we're going to talk about deception. Because that's the number one tool, what the devil uses. And we need to sort of immune ourselves uh, to know how do I how do I recognize when there is deception how do I stay out of deception but how do I know the true thing and uh, uh, we once went up I think it was to the Kruger National Park and um, and this guy told us the story of the zebras you know and I told it uh, last Sunday night and I'm going to quickly tell it again but they say when a zebra is born a zebra, the one with the stripes, okay? It looks like a horse, but it's a stripy one, okay? Um, they say when a zebra is born, the mother zebra takes takes that little um, calf and separates it from the herd. And then what happens is, um, for I don't know, I can't remember how long, but for quite a while, this little calf is not allowed to connect with, uh, uh, with a herd of zebras. It's actually a bit of a dangerous time uh, because obviously they're all standing separate away from the herd. And the reason for that is they found out that the, the, the little calf must connect with this older zebra, and then what starts to happen is the stripes of this mother zebra is imprinted into the like almost subconscious, you know, I don't know if a zebra has got a conscious, but in any case, into this psyche of this little zebra. So that eventually when there's a whole herd and this little calf must run to the herd, um, it will recognize the mother in between all of the rest. Uh, because all, not one zebra has got the same type of stripes or the same form of stripes. So that when it runs to the herd, it will recognize the mother in between 400 or 500 uh, other older animals. And so, so that's sort of a picture of 
when we connect with God, and that's why it's so important that we know God and we know what His Word says, but we have an intimate relationship with Him so that when all the others are there, we'll recognize the real Jesus. Amen. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit imprints that life of Christ in us and through us. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's the part of God and He imprints and He leads us into all truth. But I want I want us to just start here in, in Psalm 29 because I love, you know, David writing about the voice of God and and who God is and how God speaks. And the picture is almost like David is sitting in this massive storm. That's what lots of his, the historical people say. And, um, and he writes this psalm. And he sort of gives a command. He, he calls the people to come and worship. And that's what I so love about that video. It says, make your number one priority that all nations and all tribes will worship God. Um, make that your, your life's um, ambition, if I can say that word, ambition. But listen, there's a, uh, David writes, and I want us to read it together. Are you, are you ready? You know, we're not just to be spectators, so we're going to read it out loud. Okay, verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, glory! Okay, there's an exclamation mark there. Okay, that's how we should read scripture. But some of you are not awake. Okay, so let's, let's do that, that glory again. Verse 9, let's start with verse 9. But now when we say that's, that's the exclamation of what, he said in the temple of God, verse 9, okay, so the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And his temple, everyone says, glory. Yeah, that sounded good. That was amazing. Okay. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Isn't, isn't it amazing? It's this picture of this storm, and we don't know where David is sitting when he's writing it, but he's probably seeing like the thunder flashes, and he's seeing like the stuff happening, and it's in nature itself. And then he, he sort of, in between, says he starts by saying, give to God, give to God, you know, worship Him. It's the best thing you can do for yourself is to worship God, because it will change us. It will not change God, but he says, glory, glory to God that kabot, that weight, the presence of God. And so he talks about the voice of God. And as he shares about the voice of God, it's sort of almost here at the end, just keep it there at that, that second slide, the last, last verses, the next one. Oh, okay, there, there we go. He says, he talks about the voice of God and the majesty of God and the glory of God. And then right at the end, he sort of just makes this statement. It all, almost seems like out of context. But verse 10, he says, the Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The way you find peace, the way you find strength is by knowing the voice of the Lord. That, that is the fruit of knowing God's voice in your life. And yet today we have these extremes in the church. 
We have the extremes of people running after the supernatural, and then you have the extreme of people just saying, no, no, just read your Bible because anything weird is from the devil. <laughs> you know, so, so we have different groupings of people that if I would walk up to that person, they would, and I say, how do you hear God's voice? There will be a lot of different answers. Some will say, no, you don't hear it like that. And others will say, you hear it like that. But the one guarantee we have is we can hear God's voice. And God wants to speak to us, not just through us coming together here on a Sunday, but every day he speaks to you. And that is, we're going to read it now, now in John 10. So simple, but there's such a contention going on for what is God saying. Now, obviously, you get the extreme even in the charismatic church. You know, I've heard a, a lot of people that would um, stand up and say, no, the Lord spoke to me. And then you think like, how did God speak to you? Because even what you are saying is not biblical at all. So, so the framework in which God speaks to us is always like it will never contradict the word. I remember we were, I was with some Angus in America and this one guy said to him, no, 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 the, the Lord spoke to me and, and um, he said, I must divorce my wife because there's a better one for me coming, you know? And I'm thinking like, that was the devil, Guta, you know? That, was, that wasn't God, you know? And, and yet there is such a contention. Just what's happening in our nation at the moment, there's a lot of false prophets being exposed. There's a lot of fake things being exposed. And, and just to calm you down, I want to actually encourage you. I get very excited when things like that happen. Because when God starts to expose the false, it means he will also reveal the real. Hello? <laughs> when, when there's fake rising from the dead, how many of you saw that video, you know? It's actually crazy. There's like a video going on on Facebook of this pastor that raised somebody from the dead. But it's all a fake thing, you know? And then you talk about all these prophets and all these people, and you think like, oh, you know, I just want to hide away because look at what is happening in the church. So much fake stuff, you know? But remember what I said about the zebra when there's a real thing. And I told the story before, but once there was a guy who... Um, we, he was in the police service and he said the way they do forensics on, on finances and money, uh, when you have a real note, you know, say for instance, if I have, let me just find a note here in my pocket, a 20 rand, okay? The way you know something is fake is not by studying all the fake things, but by actually studying the real thing. And, and so that's why we have to challenge each other and say, okay, but how does God speak in times like this? And um, I, I find sometimes comfort. Some people say, don't listen to what the devil says. I sometimes listen to what the devil says. Because then I realize like, wow, I should just do the opposite of what he says. Huh? Peter came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. This is not from God. Don't go to the cross. You're going to... This is, this is not from him. Then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And he goes to the cross. <laughs> so sometimes the area where the devil attacks you most is the area where God wants to use you the most. And then you have to reject what he says, but listen to what he says. <laughs> listen to what the things of what people then Sometimes it really means I have to press harder and say, Lord, but I'm not going to let my inheritance be stolen. I'm not going to let the devil con me out of the voice of God and knowing the voice of God. And that means that, you know, you and I, I cannot be the voice of God for you. You know, some people rely on church or the pastor or the small group leader and say, no, no, you pray for me. 
And I remember, remember this lady once, she was from Bedorsdorf. She phoned me and she said, oh, Pastor Sias, I, I, I heard, you know, my child is there with you in, in the church. And, and I heard that you can hear the voice of God. Won't you pray, please? And then you get a word for my son that is in London. And after three days, you must fast and pray, obviously. But um, after three days, I'll phone you again. And then you must get uh, a word for my son. You know, and I'll phone you after three days and then you tell me what you heard from the Lord. And I said to the lady, lady, I'm very sorry, but you know, I am not a fortune teller. Do you know Jesus? She says, yes. She says, well, then you hear his voice. So what I'm going to do is in three days, I'll phone you. And then you tell me what God told you. And I'm going to agree with you right now that God will speak to you or you'll just hear his voice. And then I will just, all I can do is I can help you to, to see if it's biblical or not, if it contradicts scripture or it contradicts principles in scripture. But you need to find out what God says to you because that word will many times be tested by fire. <laughs> You're gonna have sometimes just the word of God and the voice of God. Are, are you with me this morning? And so, so let's jump to John chapter 10 and we're gonna, we're gonna pray for each other that, um, that we'll have discernment in this time. Because I know God wants to speak, and God is speaking. And, and, and before we read John 10, I want to challenge you in the way that we think. Because a lot of people come and they say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going through this wilderness season, and God hasn't spoken to me in a year. And I say, sorry, sorry, that's not biblical. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. God speaks to you, but sometimes there are just so many other voices that cry out so loud that you can't hear the voice of God. So never fall for the lie or believe the lie that God doesn't speak to you. Because the moment when you see, then you're going to try to find another medium or another person to be the voice of God for you. And primarily God wants to speak to you and me directly as a believer. Can I get an Amen. Okay, it is, it's so simple, 101, oh, but so many people are running to church to be the voice of God for them or to speak to them. And yes, God speaks to us as a family, and that's why you need to belong to a local church because God will take us as a family through a season. And He'll take another church through another season, maybe, or have different giftings in different churches. And then God will speak universally to us as the church in South Africa. And then He will speak to us as the church in the world. Yeah, so, so God will speak to different groups in different stages of their lives, but primarily he speaks to you. Listen to this in um, John 10. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters me, you will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly, Zoe life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. Well, I know the sheep. And that brings such comfort, God knows you. Before you know him, he knows you. <laughs> I know my sheep. I know my sheep. Now he says, as the father knows me, verse 15, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. The command I've received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. Verse 19. The moment when Jesus started to talk about hearing the voice of God, the moment when Jesus boldly started to speak out, suddenly the the crowd was split in two. The one crowd said, he's crazy, because how can you say God speak? And the other crowd says, well, how with all these signs and wonders, this must be from God. There was a division in the crowd after Jesus spoke about it. You must go and read the other verses. And then finally in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. How can you follow God if you don't know his voice? He says, my sheep, they hear my voice and I know them. And because he knows you and me, we can follow him and trust him. That's that's not optional. This is not, there's not another category. Some of my sheep hear my voice. (laughs) He says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and I know them and they follow me talks about obedience so if you want to see if somebody really can hear the voice of God you talk about you just look at the fruit of their lives the obedient lifestyle because there's always following and the picture we all know is like you know in the shepherd's times is they would all sleep on top in a little on a little hill and there was like um, a little wall this high with a big open spot and so all the shepherds would bring the sheep into this fold at night. So all the sheep sheep were mixed with the different shepherds coming together. And so the shepherds would sleep in that door to protect the sheep at night from attack from wolves or whatever that came from the outside. And the next morning, what would happen is all the shepherds would stand up and they would all start to walk in different directions. And all they will do is speak. And because of that speaking, all the sheep would recognize the shepherd and then they would follow. It's not like today, we have sheep dogs, you know, that, that sort of chases the sheep and then all the sheep run this way and then they run that way and the sheep dog must go this way and this way and sort of herd them into the, the other field. No, it was very simple. The shepherd would stand up, start walking, and he would speak. And because of that voice, the sheep would just follow. They all just slowly start walking out. Now, I come from a sheep farm, so this is very, you know, natural for me but I remember one day we went to the the um, abattoir here in Cape Town so we took this like whole truck full of sheep to go and make them choppies okay so so um, so we had this whole truck uh, double layer about probably 300 or 400 sheep you know so so now I'm thinking I remember I was a chokaki what is a chokaki in English uh, a chokaki okay so I was a little boy, so here we're going. And now I'm thinking it took us so much time to get this sheep onto this truck. But now, how on earth in this abattoir are we going to get the sheep off and get them into this area where they're going to be slaughtered? Okay? So my dad was just smiling, and he obviously said, this is going to be a bit of a life lesson for you. So we got there. And so they just opened the gates. So we reversed this truck that there was like a platform down where the sheep could walk down to reverse the the truck right onto this platform and then they just opened the the back doors of this truck. And so I was standing there and I was standing there and I was thinking, and the next moment, after a while, there's these long passages coming through, a massive goat 
a huge goat called the Judas goat came walking out. And it just walked slowly. This, this thing looked like it was in charge of the abattoir. So it walked out. It got onto the truck, just stood in between the sheep, got off the truck again, and then started walking. And then all the sheep, one by one, got off the truck and started walking behind this goat and went into the abattoir. No chasing, no dogs, no nothing. That was more than 40 sermons when I was like a chocolate kid. Because sheep follow. And you're either going to follow God or you're going to follow the deception or the other voices in your life. And so Jesus said it so beautifully, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so it's not a great compliment that Jesus said we are sheep. Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say, sheep, you're a sheep, you know? <laughs> it's, 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 sheep are great followers, but sheep are not, not very intelligent beings. Sorry, you know, Jesus did not give us a compliment. Don't run around and say, sheepy, sheepy, sheepy. Oh, that's so wonderful that he called me a sheep. No, no, <laughs> it's like sheep. Go to the slaughter sometimes, you know? That's how Jesus saw them. But there's three different groupings in this picture that Jesus shares. He talks about the wolves, he talks about the hirelings, and he talks about the shepherds. And today, as we're seeing what's happening in our nation, there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. But there's also a lot of hirelings. And it's very important that we learn in these times that in between church and in what's happening in the world, we have to discern what are the wolves, what are the hirelings, and where's the true shepherds. Can I get an amen? Okay? Because the wolves doesn't come and stand in your face and bark in your face. They come very deceptively in sheep's clothing. Jesus even said it when he sent out the 70 in Luke chapter 10. He said, I send you as lambs among wolves. It's a beautiful picture because lambs on their own cannot survive if they're in the if there's a hundred wolves around them. <laughs> but it talks about a supernatural protection. It talks about a supernatural covering because how does little lambs survive in a bunch of wolves staring at them? But isn't it the same Jesus said, hey, I prepare a place at a table in front of your enemies. It talks about this immensely this place of peace. Now go and read Psalm 91. It took also, that's a beautiful picture of being under the shadow of the Almighty. So even when lots of people are saying, no, no, God doesn't speak. I want to tell you that God is speaking and there is a peace and a joy. There's a place God calls every Christian to because we hear his voice and because we know his voice, because we know his word. Amen. This is what Jesus promised. He said, I am the shepherd. Don't go and be afraid of all the stuff that's happening out there. You need to have discernment to see it, but don't react against that. Just follow the shepherd, follow my voice. And that means that you and I need to learn how to pray and hear the voice of God. This isn't, a, I, I cannot delegate this to my small group leader. I cannot delegate this to somebody else that looks more spiritual. You have to practice to hear the voice of God yourself. The only problem is there's the voice of the flesh. What are, what are other voices that scream out loud is the voice of your flesh, the voice of sin. That's why the first deception, we're going to talk about it next week, is self-deception. 
and the deceitfulness of sin. Because when we give into the flesh and the voice of the flesh, we will get deceived. Because now suddenly this voice begins to speak much louder. The voice of my sin, the voice of following my own ways, the voice of rebellion. So deception is at the order of the day and it's not out there. Deception starts right here with you and me. And how do we build in an immune system not to be deceived? But when we know God loves us, then, hey, we follow him. We haven't got time today, but there's just coming back to this whole idea of cessationalism or people that think, well, no, God doesn't speak through the supernatural anymore. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4 to 9, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, guys, really, God has given us lots of giftings and you as a church is given a lot of giftings and that is one of the immune systems or preservative middles, okay? The preservative middles, what's that in English? Preservative, preservatives, okay? It's, it's one of the things God has built in because here he says in 1 Corinthians um, 4, 1 verse 7, he says, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, there'll be no shortage of gifts, but he says, who will also confirm you to the end. He says, because of the working of the Holy Spirit and because of the voice of God, God will keep us because there's a group of people that say, hey, I'm following God. I'm hearing his voice. I know his word. I know his presence in my life. And therefore, no deception that comes my way will will distract me because through that, I'll be kept safe. You know, because I know why a lot of people are reacting that just say like, sure, sure, you know, this, this, this thing of having just a lot of experiences and just having your Christianity as an event. Now, I'm not into event Christianity. That's, you know, we can't have Sunday events and then the rest of our life is a mess. It's a, Christianity is a lifestyle. It's a relationship, I mean. So, We're not saying yes to events, but just having the word and no experience, you will get deceived because the letter will kill. But the spirit gives life. You need to have both in your life. Amen? Where God speaks, where we read his word, we know his word, we can, but you, I've I've heard people that quote scripture till they're blue in their face, but there's no fruit in their life. Because hey, why do we get the manual of the car? You study the manual, to be able to drive the car. So will you be judged on how you study the manual? Uh-uh, you'll be judged on how you drove the car. So we read the Bible to be able to live out Christianity, to be able to follow God. We don't read the Bible because we wanna become better Bible readers and study more theology. That's why in a theology school like here in Stellenbosch, they've gone crazy. The New Testament professor doesn't even believe in the resurrection anymore because they're good at studying the manual. Oh, is that a bit hard to say in church? No, no, you just like drive the car. (laughs) Amen? That's why we live, is so that we can bear fruit. And that's what Jesus is gonna come back for, is fruit. So, So I'm very excited that God is speaking. So just some scriptures. We haven't got time because we need to, we need to wrap up. But here in um, John 14, Jesus, after this John 10, he said, look, I'm, I'm gonna actually, in hearing my word and in knowing my voice and in having a pursuit to hear my voice, he, 
He said he's going to give us the helper, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside us to help us to see and to know God and to live and reveal all truth. And you can just jot down those scriptures. He says, I must go away so that my relationship with the church and the believer will become universal in the sense that wherever you are, you can hear God's voice there. I was um, talking to a pastor, uh, was it last week or the week before that? And he said, um, their seminary in this specific nation is you're not qualified to preach if you haven't been three years in prison. That's your qualification to be able to preach the gospel. Just you and the Bible and the Holy Spirit. But isn't it amazing if you give a Bible to a 10-year-old now and just let them read through the gospels and you ask them like, tell me, did Jesus do any miracles? And do you think they're still doing it today? Then a 10-year-old will tell you, yes, it's still happening. And 65%, 70% of the church today worldwide is believing in the fullness of God, believing in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So please stop making your relationship with God an intellectual pursuit. I'm pleading you for people living in Stellenbosch. You will get deceived if it's only an intellectual pursuit. We have to press harder into the things of the Spirit. Because Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to go away so that you don't box me in. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and it's going to be universal, but it's going to be amazing. Because once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen, streams of living waters will gush out from your innermost being. And then lots of people are going to come to your life. They're going to say, I want that water because that's living water. <laughs> I want that to drink from that water that I will never thirst again. But don't get conned. I remember a, a story one day with, I was praying through some stuff. And some of you have heard of this school of the supernatural that we do. It's like we train people into the, to know the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and to, to say, hey, how does God want to use you? And how does God want to use you? Because God has given us all different giftings. And um, I was sitting with a group of pastors, and it was probably one of the moments in ministry that I want to forget quickly. But God used it so powerfully. Because as we were sitting, we're talking about NGOs and a lot of like things we want to do in the community. This one pastor jumps up, somebody that I know. And he says, well, let me just tell all of you. I know it's got nothing to do with this meeting, but... These words of knowledge that Sias gets is from the devil. And nobody is testing it. And nobody, and now he begins to, to start sharing this list of stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, but we're talking about community projects. And now suddenly I've come onto this center of stage, you know. <laughs> and he guns for me. He just like, poof, it's like a shotgun. And I did not expect it, you know. So I'm driving home that night with Louise sitting next to me and I'm just crying in the car and I'm thinking, what just happened? This is a guy I know and yet he, he came like straight guns blazing, poof. You know, that night I sit there in, in my study and I'm just thinking, what has just happened? You know, now I want to moan with God, you know, and I want to say like, Lord, you know, the, 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 the thick lip, you know, just like self piamering you know. Uh, you know, Lord, why did you allow this to be happening? And why moaning and groaning and murmuring? So I'm just trying to like vent before the Lord, yeah. And just after about an hour, the Lord probably let me just vent a little bit. And then he said to me, but 
what did I tell him? I said, Lord, you will vindicate and you said, so I need to do what you've told me to do. I I'm not going to listen to this accusation. So I said, give it to me. Give it back to me. So I said, okay, God. And I did. And that's where the school of the supernatural started, was that night in great tears <laughs> in my study to say, God, I know you speak. And I'm not going to deny the testimony of what you've done in my life and what you said. So some of you must take out some of those testimonies again and, and you must have a, a wall of, of remembrance and a memorial wall of what God has done because the devil has conned you out of your inheritance. The, the devil is making you a comfortable Christian. The devil wants you to delegate what the gifts and the inheritance that God has given you. So I love it when I go to him. Angus, he's got a prayer room there. I have the privilege to sometimes go and just sit there with him. But on the wall, just like everything that has happened, you know, just like crutches that where God healed people and stuff. And, and then when, it's so amazing when you walk into that place, you just, then you just start telling the stories. Oh, that's what God did there. That's what God did there. So if you're in a, in a tough season of your life, just go back and go and celebrate what God has done. If you're struggling in your marriage, just, just go back and ask God, what did he tell you at the beginning? Why did he put you together? And, and go and renew your marriage vows. Because we get so, so drawn into the immediate and the now that we forget what God has told us. Isn't that what's happened? The whole story of the Old Testament is a group of people that now they hear God, then they go and they worship other gods, and then they go into slavery, and then suddenly they realize, like, oh, God, where are you? Then they cry out to God again, then God says, I'm going to have mercy on you, then he calls them back. And then he raises up the prophets to speak again and say, this is God's will for you. Come back to me. And then when they come, whoo, there's a turning back, and then the nation serves God again. That's why you need the prophetic in your life. That's why you need the word of God in your life. Don't run away from your spiritual inheritance. Okay, last slide. Are you all still with me? I'm very excited this morning, but I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit psyched up, you know, because just this past couple of weeks, you know, people would just come to me and say, No, no, you can't do this and you can't do this. And I say, Yes, this is a confirmation that we must do it. Hallelujah. But so I'm not talking about leaders in the church, I'm just talking pe for people from the outside, you know. And when I see these things on television of people raising alive people from the dead, you know, dead people from the alive, you know, then I think like, yes, God, I see all this stuff, but I want the real thing so that the world will know that you're alive. When all these fake things happen, Lord, you're moving, you're working. So let's see what God is doing. And that's what David said with that psalm. He says, the whole of the temple says, glory, not fear. Oh, run, the church is falling. Oh, everything is falling apart. They say glory. This is what's happening in the throne room. And when we align ourselves with what's happening in the throne room, heaven starts to happen here on earth. So how does God speak? Well, through the word, through the logos, the rhema, through nature. The Bible says through his invisible attributes are clearly seen through nature. God speaks through a still small voice. That's why you have to quiet all the other voices. Because some of them scream. Some of them shout at you. That pressure from the work, the anxieties, the stress, they shout at you. They speak very loud, and you have to quiet them. That's why we have a quiet time, is to still the voices. God speaks through your conscience. You've got an inbuilt referee <laughs> that says, uh-uh. It's called your conscience. 
God speaks through other people a lot. And don't just try to hear God's voice on your own. I love John Yip. I, I think you won't mind me saying when he, you need to pray for them for their visa because their first application was rejected. So let's really pray that God will bless them to, to be here. But um, he said to me at this stage, I think it was three years or four years ago, he went to six of his best friends, trusted friends, and he said, look here, I trust you, but you guys need to pray and say whether we should be here or not. I'm relying on, on you. I want the full counsel of God. Because when I'm in a very troubling situation, I can't hear the voice of God. Then I need other people. That's why the local church is so important. That's why small group is so important. Because lots of people say, no, I don't want to be in small group. I don't need small group. Ha, wait till the crisis comes, sir. Then nobody knows you. Nobody can pray for you. Who are you going to be accountable? Then you're going to listen to yourself. Or you're going to listen to your circumstances. So we're not in small group because I have a benefit of small group. We're in small group because we are dwelling together in unity. We're growing together to hear the voice of God together also for each other. And you need other people that can speak into your life that you can be accountable to. Because there's many times when I want to go this direction and then Christus who sits there and Machita our elders, then Christus just have a Bible and he says, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Let's, let's just stop. Let's not react because I'm a very passionate guy. I just want to, if I feel God says something, I just want to be obedient immediately. I want to do it tomorrow morning. And then Christus says, no, no, no. Let's think about this. Let's pray through it. Let's like, yeah. And I love it because his giftings is different than mine. Sometimes I want to say like, let's go. Let's go. Let's, the Lord didn't say let's stay, you know, but hallelujah. We need each other. So God speaks through people. God speaks through circumstance. God speaks through the supernatural, which includes dreams and visions and prophecy. But when you close yourself up for God, speaking in those ways, there's, there's so much that, that gets lost. Because we become comfortable. We, we just go like from week to week to week. But David says, hey, I can see God moving. I can see God speaking. And in the middle of it, there's the temple. The whole temple cries out glory. But when I have the voice of God, the fruit is a peace and a strength. And you can see it in the life of David because he understood it. When the men wanted to go and fetch the ladies and, and wanted to, when they came back to the camp, all the, all the ladies and all the livestock were stolen. And then all David's men said, come, let's go. Let's, let's go and find our wives. Let's fight and bring them back. And then the Bible says, uh-uh, David stopped. And he went inside and he strengthened himself in God. When he came onto the scene, we saw that a couple of weeks, you know, with Goliath and Saul and everybody's panicking and there's a lot of fear. What does he do? He goes to the brook and he picks up a couple of stones and he tunes into what God says. And then he moves. Because God has not called us as Christians to react. He's called us to respond. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.